The Wolf and Bull podcast was prepared, conducted, and hosted by the Wolf and Bull team in their personal capacity. This podcast is for expressive listening entertainment, and any views, ideas, or opinions may or may not extend past the boundaries of this podcast. Conversations or specific comments on behalf of the hosts and guests are for entertainment purposes only. Due to language and potentially offensive topics, listener discretion is advised. This is Mickey Mouse, and I'm here to tell you a little bit more about how I'm going to brainwash your children into believing in the Chinese Communist Manifesto. (laughs) I'm not sure what I can say to that. That was amazing. I didn't realize you were bringing in one of the characters for this. Yuck! Yuck! (laughs) (laughs) Mickey, did you tell the children about all the weird, strange pedophilia that's going on at the the parks? (laughs) No, I didn't, Goofy. (laughs) <laughs> you sick fuck! <laughs> uh, when you, that sounds just like a South Park version of of the mixture. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's it's Disney's fucked up. <laughs> That's all I can say. Yeah. And, what what company can become that large without you know shadows in its past, so to speak, shadow, or present, shadows or future? I mean, shadows, pedophiles, whatever. Well, I mean, uh, anti semites. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Uh oh, my! Oh, you're no, you're, no. no, I'm good. I'm going to say you're crossed up. Yeah, I was all crossed up. Oh well, yeah. This is a, a special episode in which we uh, bullshit more than usual. Uh, I don't think that's even possible. It is possible. more bullshit. Oh, yeah. I mean, come on! I'm the one that bullshits. You're the wolf shit. Wolf shit and bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was that was that was beautiful. That was a really good it one. It was. I think there was. You know, I should try a little more onomatopoeia though. Mm-hmm. Or well, onomatopoeia, one or the other. Oh my god! <laughs> well, welcome to the Wolf and Bull Podcast, uh, episode twenty-two. We are getting better and better at this as time goes on. We are. <laughs> I feel we're degrading. <laughs> we're regressing. We're, we got a half life of about a thousand years, so, so we got a ways to go. <laughs> welcome to the Wolf and Bull Podcast. We're regressing every episode. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like the podcast version of Benjamin Button, just going yes. backwards. <laughs> well, they'll be able to use us, our half life, to determine like ancient, you know, mammoth ages. And oh, did shit you? Like did, that. Uh, yes, did you I did. I did. I can't wait. Yeah, <laughs> I, I want them to bring back the saber tooth tiger, no. woolly mammoth, no. and whatever that little aardvark no, animal is, is, or whatever the hell it is, no. so we can have an ice age show. No, this is fucking terrible. Actually, like, all I want is that little fucking squirrel that goes after the acorns. That is an awesome character. There is no reason, no reason whatsoever that they do that. Why? Uh, okay, well, first of all, let me finish the intro and then I'll get to it in a second. Um, if you like the episode, uh, go ahead and give us a like and a follow on Instagram. Also, if you're feeling a, a little, uh, a little, uh, I don't know, courageous, leave us a very hey, detailed, you explicitly are... honest review on Apple for five stars, preferably. <laughs> There's no yeah. other option, just five stars. <laughs> That's the, the only option. Choose five stars or five stars. Yeah, choose five that's, stars. That's our courageous audience right there. Or be excommunicated from the church of the wolf and the bull. <laughs> um, no, they shouldn't. They should not. Why not? See, have you, you have not, no reason. No, I do. Have you not been around for the last 18 months? <laughs> what uh, what, so so let, let me get this straight. Hey, if we can bring back like, 
you know, some dinosaurs or shit? No. Some woolly mammoths? No. Something to distract us from all the other nonsense So going they on? can kill us instead? You think, look, the hey, church we're of... Gonna, if we're going to determine the way to go out, we might as well bring back... No, the I disagree. That, why not? Because the church of COVID-19 and Anthony Fauci is now currently the pop culture subject of, of current times. Well. I would rather the church of Tyrannosaurus never come into existence. <laughs> that would be terrible. Well, well, you know what would happen is we'd bring them all back just in time for the next asteroid to hit the Earth, or that, or the, or the, or we'd bring them back and they'd be smarter than us somehow. Well, this is something we would it'd be unforeseen on our end. That would and not then they be would, hard at this point. Well, yeah, and then they would they would invent technology to bring the next asteroid to Earth. So you'd hey, see a bunch of dinosaurs hey. wearing lab coats. Dinotech, <laughs> Dinotech, <laughs> working for Elon Musk at Tesla. Oh my God! The first dinosaur on Mars. Yeah, no, that would that would be interesting. You know, sending dinosaurs up instead of monkeys. A little bit more. Why? Ethical, because you don't in like, my opinion. You don't like lizards. Is that the problem? No, it's, mammals versus yeah. You know, monkeys are like people. our distant, distant cousin. Apparently, so. It, I mean, oh, I'd rather them send like platypus supposedly everything up there. is distance, right? Well, you hate platypus. We haven't canceled an animal on, so you want to cancel animals that have been extinct. Yeah, already. let's not. So do you want to? Let's not. You want to cancel extinction? No, I want to cancel extinction. You want to cancel resurrection of ex- animals? I'd rather we don't do that. There's so there's so there are so many. You examples. know, somebody will I, or has. Why? Why? Because Why? that's what humans do. They do everything they're not supposed to. That's stupid. That's dumb. Who that's does stupid. that matter? Yes, it does. No, it, it does doesn't. matter. It's just one of the many versions no. of the simulation that we we're, we're in. fucked. We're fu- if that comes to existence, look, that's if you the, and I that's the dinosaurs eat all humans. If I uh, wake up on a random like Tuesday, it'd probably happen on a Tuesday. If I wake up on a Tuesday, Tuesday. and I, I open my phone Tuesday? up, Tuesday sucks. It's almost as bad as Monday. If I open my phone up. And I look at my phone, it says Tyrannosaurus Rex or Velociraptor has been resurrected. I'm going to literally, I I might consider just moving to an island by myself. Yeah. Well, don't you remember when they came out with that that movie? Uh, It's Jurassic Park. Yeah. Well, all of them. That was, yeah. I mean, that dinosaur already rampaged downtown San Diego. That's why they had to build some buildings up there. So, I mean, that was, you know, that was like. Beowulf has never seen those. Up until very well, so you recently. can look at the news footage on Channel Eight <laughs> San Diego. I mean, that really happened, of course. You know that, right? My name's Paul, and I saw a really weird thing tonight. <laughs> there was this a, NBC <laughs> San Diego. Um, you know, I was just walking straight down Fourth. <laughs> That's right. And this Tyrannosaurus Rex ran right by me and crushed a few people. It ran into a van. Some weird scientists were driving. Was it a Mustang they were driving around in? Wow, you like, remember better than I Because we watched it recently. We watched yeah. it recently, which is always funny. It's like, they, why would you pick a convertible top Mustang? Because they were trying to sell Mustangs. A uh, 60s convertible top Mustang. They were well, trying you, to they, sell... They're imp- printing mustangs in the subconscious of all the watchers of this movie yeah, fix or repair daily you wouldn't be able to get away from a Tyrannosaurus rex and that thing um so yeah we watched that recently as we're name dropping and saying all these various pop culture why did you watch that recently i have to know she's never seen it so it was it's on hbo it, you so know, i know why because you're having a conversation about resurrecting these, no, these animals. No, 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 no. Yes, no, no. you were. No, this was you were. months. This you, was a don't month lie ago. to me now. Beowulf is pro in your con. I don't lie. I never lie. You never lie. Never no. have lied. So you're lying right life. now. You're no. lying about never no. lying. Uh, 
perception is reality, and I perceive that I always tell the truth. Um, mm. So, mm. yeah, there's a deep one. Um, yeah, we watched it recently. They, they're nineties movies, or nineties early two thousands movies. Don't they you haven't be aged those. well, um, specifically on the technological side of things. Um, but the second one does. The second one was okay. First one, she fell asleep. We watched it. We First attempted to watch the it best twice. One. We attempted to watch it twice, and she fell asleep both times. So the second one is what we've worked with, and then we turned on the third one and turned it off because it was trash. Yeah, yeah. So, well, that's fun. Yeah. You know, what, what if they? What if we could uh, resurrect, um, say, the Irish elk? No. You would love the. You're Irish. What are you talking? Do you know Irish elk? There are still Irish elk horns yeah. on walls and castles. And of course, they haven't been around for thousands of years. Yeah, so. You, know, you know what they were killed by? Irish. You probably don't even know what an Irish elk is, do you? An elk that's Irish. It's not even an elk. It's a, a deer. A deer. A elk, it's a deer. A deer. A deer. Okay. There, there's it's a deer. There's a, a difference. Bear, there is a difference, but it's marginal. Okay. They're not even the same. I know. Branch. I understand that, but it's a marginal by image. Look, I don't. I don't sit down and look at the evolutionary chain before I diagnose what animal is. <laughs> Why not? This platypus. You do not want to resurrect no. ancient animals. You mm-hmm. need to know how I they would came never, to be and how I'm, they. I'm telling you right what now. What their demise was. This is not an ancient going to end Irish well. elk. It won't end well. Yeah, Irish elk. No, generally, cause, cause, look, there's certain animals that we keep alive <laughs> specifically for dumb reasons. Like, let's take the panda for like example. Like the platypi. Have you ever seen a panda throw itself Pandas out of a tree? Pandas have been trying to kill themselves forever. Yeah, They're so the slowest, they, they, <laughs> ugliest, weirdest looking animal ever. So, I don't know how they survive. And then they eat. Have you ever tried to eat bamboo? I tried to eat bamboo once. That was probably a bad experience. Well, it's sharp yeah, going it's in, the sharper same going day, out. It's the same day I saw the T-Rex downtown San Diego. So mm. I was a little. Uh, <clears throat> anyway. Where are you well, going with this? No, I, I, I was going <laughs> to go off on a peyote trip, I think. I'm, so I'm just saying that like, there's certain animals that have tried to kill themselves. There's certain animals that have succeeded in killing themselves. And then there's certain animals that accidentally were killed. Like, for example, all the koalas. I was kind of sad, but those things are mean. Those are mean, mean things. Um, there's and, no koalas left. Oh, they're on the verge. Yeah, because of that wildfire, those oh, massive wildfire. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're on the verge right koalas now. Koalas are they're cute. They're cute little things. No. They're like, like gremlins. Velociraptors. No. Um, I just don't think it'll end well. I don't think that humanity has the capability to be smarter than um, our very, very recently deceased um, Cro-Magnon ancestors um, or distant relatives. I just don't think we have the ability. Homo sapien is not as smart as it's all cracked out to be. Yeah, we're still, dumb, I mean, dumb as hell. arguably the smartest things on the planet, at least by the way we gauge smartness. Mm-hmm. You could argue that uh, octopi and dolphins and a whole lot of other things probably have better way of going about using their using their brain capacity than we do. But that's a that is an argument for a different day. Yeah, is it not? Uh, you're right. And now it's time to get into the news. Speaking of <laughs> people <laughs> who don't <laughs> use their brains very well, um, <laughs> oh man. Who have we got to talk about today? Millie. Millie's, the Joint Chiefs Millie, of Millie Cyrus? Staff General Mark oh, Millie. Oh, I thought you meant Millie Cyrus. He, uh, he's an idiot. He's a moron. You know you're what's not, going on with that, right? You're just totally ignoring me now. I am. It's because because it's, it's, it's that there's... You know, I was... You've got to. I'm going to come through here like on a wrecking ball if you don't. We've got to improve the quality. It's not about quantity. It's about quality. We're coming in. The audience right now is... In tears, laughing, or they're just plain crying. Whatever. 
Look, so I don't know if you know much about what's going on with General Mark Milley. Um, I don't. Everyone's talking in, about it. So I'm going to be very high level with this just because I've been reading the articles. I haven't been really following to the uh, exact T, but supposed speculation from a recent book that came out um, implies or states exactly that General Mark Milley during the Trump presidency went to, I believe it was the Chinese rep um, and basically kind of gave him uh, a, a... The rep? Were I, they selling I, I, I something? Know, yeah, I don't know what the title would be. The guy from the, the Chinese ambassador. The, yeah, okay. Uh, Chinese ambassador um, basically told the Chinese ambassador that because he thought that Donald Trump was suffering from a delusional mental breakdown, um, that he would let them know if we were going to attack. Yeah, Um he also implied that he doesn't think that we're going to attack, but if we were, they would, he would, the Chinese ambassador or China would be the first to know, mm. um, which is concerning because there are also corroborating statements from fellow higher ups in the military that were in the specific, because apparently this guy's the fucking Mark Millies, the guy who says, I want to understand white, uh, white. Guilt oh, or white I wonder rage. if that was the same guy, same guy. Um, he, Apparently, he's been telling people about this because the I can't remember the author's name. Um, well, le- legitimately, anybody can say whatever the hell they want as long as they put Trump's name in the middle of it, because that's that's the get out of yeah, everything yeah. free card right now. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, it, it's really it's really concerning because that's that's treason. I mean, and, and some people are going to say, well, no, 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 it's not treason. You know, it wasn't looked at like people are going to take the position of, you know, Millie had to do what he had to do in order to protect China from, or, you know, whoever from the deranged Trump. Right. And my position on this is, okay, so obviously we've got our higher ups in our government, like Joe Biden, uh, Barack Obama saying that a rising China, um, is a good thing. And then we had Donald Trump come into the situation, very adamant that China was a threat to us. Mm -hmm. Now it comes out after, you know, Donald Trump's presidency that Mark Milley is basically letting, the Chinese or our enemies um, who are ne- who are committing genocide right now, by the way, of the right. Uyghurs. Like he mentioned this. Um, they own most of our debt, by the way. They own most of our debt. We're tied to them at the hip. And it comes out that the one of the highest up military leaders in our country has now been, I, I guess, colluding with the Chinese. I mean, it's it's he the chairman of the he's the chairman of the Joint Chief of Staff. So uh, allegedly he made two calls to his Chinese counterpart. So they're equivalent Mm -hmm. Um, in the final weeks of Trump administration, Trump's administration, assuring China, the outgoing president would not attack, attack them that the January, the house January 6th select committee had asked the Pentagon for all documents related to million in the matter. So you got to ask yourself why he did this. Was that something he initiated or was it in response to a various questions from his military counterparts over there that said, Hey, we're really worried about this and we're getting in a position to do this, this and this. And they, and Millie just says, Hey, don't freaking worry about it. Nothing's going to happen. And if it was, I'll tell you before well, it happens. Well, his statement was that he was concerned about Trump's mental state. Um, and obviously this comes after the book I mentioned is called peril by, uh, the Washington post staffers, Bob Woodward and Robert, Co- Robert Costa. Mm. Um, but Bob they, Woodward, really, mm-hmm, they mm. revealed that Millie made several calls to general Lee Zhou Chen Cheng, of the People's Liberation Army or the CCP um, to assure him of U.S. stability, which mm-hmm. I don't know how that's something that you do. 
Well, you don't to your no. number one enemy unless, you know, that that, that kind of goes back to the thinking, though, just to play devil's advocate a moment, keep, keep your friends close and your enemies closer or whatever, however that saying goes, right? Yeah. You got to keep these people close and establish some kind of relationship. If they're the a world power the way they are, and they are, and we're tied at the hip and they own our debt and, and all these different things are happening and we're, I mean, you can look at even granular things like the fact that that market is now the largest market for for big companies in the United States. Mm. That we're inextricably tied to them in ways that don't make it look like they're our enemy, even though they are. Well, especially now that it comes out that you know our gain of function research was in part with them. So well, of course it was. I mean, everybody denies that. Fauci can say whatever the frick he wants, but gain of function is pretty simple. <clears throat> yeah, there's three words. Gain of function. What does that mean? That means you're trying to make something function better than it used to or in some direction that it used to that is above and beyond its initial capabilities. In this sense. That's been going on for the, as long as human beings have had biological understanding to, to manipulate things. Yeah, well, it's, it's, it's been going on as long as biological warfare has been going on. I mm-hmm. mean, it's, you know, we, we mentioned in the last, one of the last episodes, uh, uh, Zyklon B. I mean, how do you think they came sure. up with stuff like that? So uh, I guess what's interesting about this whole situation, and I swear, as time goes on, the whole, I guess, narrative of what's been happening in this country gets more and more interesting. Um, apparently on Wednesday, a spokesperson for the joint chief of staff or the joint staff, um, basically stated that the calls that he had between the, um, person in China, who was his equivalent, uh, was in keeping with Millie's duties and responsibilities, conveying reassurance, 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 reassurance. God, yeah. I can't speak today, mm-hmm. um, in order to maintain strategic stability. Mm. Mind you, this was while China has been, and continues to uh, flex its powers in the South China Sea, threaten yeah. Taiwan. So, But on the I opposite mean, side, you probably have the same guy calling Millie up and saying, hey, we're just doing these exercises to keep these people in place. Now, they're probably lying because yeah. that's what they said about Hong Kong, too. And look what happened, right? Well, it's no longer Hong Kong, basically. That's what I'm saying. I mean, it's... it's Well, the, the concern is that when you have someone that high up in the military reaching out to people who are very clearly... Um, abrasive to us, even though we do business with them, quote unquote, mm-hmm. uh, as they steal things from us, um, technology and strategies and basically copy all the things that we create. Um, he basically, I mean, having him state something like, you know, we're not going to attack or conduct any kinetic operations against you takes away any semblance of power that the United States would have in leverage against China. So, you know, it, it's like it's like if you and I go to a car dealership, and I heard this earlier today on another podcast I listened to, so shout out to the other podcast. <laughs> um, uh, it's like if a car dealer, you and I go to a car dealership, and I tell you in confidence, this is where I'll, I'll settle price-wise. Right. And then you walk into the general manager's, um, sit, you know, office immediately after I tell you that against my, my consent, telling him the price. Mm-hmm. It takes away any leverage you have of getting a potentially better deal, um, which I think that's what I see this as. Now, granted, I'm not a joint chief of staff, so I don't know what their day-to-day operations concern, but I can assure you, had it have been, uh, had Trump still been in office and had it have been him, you know, merely talking with Russia, uh, the entire universe would be imploding right now. <laughs> well, part of it is kind of the way we perceive and the way we go about things in the, in the United States in terms of relationships from a business standpoint, from a governmental standpoint with people like China. Remember I was mentioning last week, I think the, the blue strategy and red strategy, 
uh, red ocean, blue ocean mm-hmm. s- strategy. And I don't have that in front of me to look at exactly, so I couldn't hit the hit the uh, exact words on it. But basically, China's position on man- is manipulative. Mm-hmm. China's position on all these separate, like four or five factors, is how to you how do you create markets that manipulate them in such a way to be the dominant party in that market? And there's no um, there's no real give and take. There's no legitimate give and take, so to speak. There's more of a a rush to to encapsulate these different markets. And this it's the same thing that I think about. And the United States is the other way around. Yeah. The United States goes about things and says, hey, we want to share this, whatever this is. The gain of function is a perfect example of this. Gain of function was probably being done in Wuhan. The main reason is because there's so much regulation in the United States that they couldn't get it done as simply and as easily and, and as timely as moving it offshore. And they know that one of the top virology places in the world was Wuhan, and they had people supposedly investigating, even though years before there was, they came up with um, an audit of that that shop that said it was terrible, by the way. I yeah. think that was five years, six years ago, something like that. But the reality is they had to do it somewhere. And the other thing is, hey, if you're going to do it somewhere, do it way over there where it can't affect us, right? Well, <laughs> surprise, surprise, it can affect us. And th- the idea... The, truly, when they came out and were talking about the the pangolin and the bat <laughs> doing this and then a wet market that happened to be within proximity of the, the virology center that, oh, somebody must have ate the pangolin and used it because it's got medicinal properties. So, and that, that's how they got it in. Boom. You know, population. You know what I've dead. always thought about that, by the way, which maybe this is just off color on my end, but I've always thought that that story or that narrative is kind of racist just a tad and I, and I mean that from mm. like or maybe bigoted would probably be a better term mm-hmm. but I mean that from like a oh it couldn't have possibly come from a virology lab because Chinese people according to our view of them eat bat and eat pangolin that is from a specific area and that's why it happened as opposed to a mistake well, from an actual lab like I, I don't know I'm, I'm sorry like it just comes off as strange to me it's like why would you imply that one individual ate an animal that was sick and it somehow jumped from that animal well, you, to that person you, you based on their cultural you're coming norms up with it. Think about the, the the way that reason was come up, or why. Think mm-hmm. about the perhaps behind-the-scenes reasons that they use this, oh, it's just a local wet market. What's the idea that comes into mind when you hear that? I have no fucking idea. It's a farmer's market. Yeah. There's a bunch of people with vegetables yeah, and but why would animals. You call, and I mean, you'd call it a farmer's market. It was a farmer's market. A wet market obviously implies something else. That's Probably just talking about the animal or, side of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I guess. Me. But I know. No, the it's The experiment fine. is already over, right? No, it's no, not. But, but it's, my point is, is it it differentiates between a certain class of people. So that's kind of the point that, you're making. It's I just kind of weird. But let me, know? let me advise you on one thing. I've been over to China a couple of times. Yeah. And if you walk down a city there, they're literally grilling up everything. They're, sure. They're, you don't see birds flying around. You don't see animals in the city. You don't see any of that shit. And that's because they're either, they're cowering in fear somewhere or they're on the plate. So, I guess, I guess my point in saying that is not that, it's not that I don't have a, like, look, I don't care that they eat anything. My point is it's just, it's odd from an American perspective being to other cultures and seeing that our knee-jerk reaction amongst our trusted news sources is something like that, as opposed mm-hmm. to, well, there is a virology lab there. Why yeah. wouldn't you believe that? It's like saying, 
If that's it like, walks like a duck and well, quacks like, like a duck, like it's a people, pangolin. That's like people's <laughs> that's like people's assumption about the deep south. Like like people from California, right. they assume or New York, they assume that just because someone is in the deep south, they're a bigoted racist who is probably ultra religious, doesn't accept everything, is probably dumb as shit and probably addicted to some level of alcohol, right? Sure. So and I know that because I'm from California, and I think that I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. I was going to see. I know. I at love least. Southern people. I absolutely. There's love a lot Southern of people. things you could go down that I, road, but I mean that. You get what I'm saying? That, though? Wasn't that said about? I mean, didn't Obama come out and say something? He didn't say it like that, obviously, but something about we need to get these people uh, to quit thinking about their Bibles and their yeah, guns and yeah, the, yeah, the, yeah. So these stereotypes are put out there, and there are reasons behind stereotypes. You know, there's this this image of something and it's it's it is created because there is some actuality to that but sure. what ends up, it ends up dispersing itself amongst a greater populace that it's not true for at all well and i think it, the problem is that the stereotype itself whereas it's true in some it's classism. Degree, it's, it's classism well it's classism but where whereas stereotypes are to have some semblance of truth to them it's the broad stroking application of those stereotypes exactly. that's the same, problem same. um it's like when you know when I was super involved in theology when I was younger, I'd have discussions with people, and this is funny to say because, God, kids in high school and middle school are stupid, but I had discussions with people in that age demographic at the time because I was in that age demographic in which you know they would think that I was ignorant to other things outside of theology, as if I'd never opened a book of, on science, as if mm-hmm. I've never heard of evolution, as if I've never developed opinions on things. And while going to church, I had no understanding or ideal or, 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 or belief or thought about these things. And it's like you implying that from a position of like, I don't know, like authority uh, just shows how dumb and how biased you are. Well, the question always becomes, is it is it a position of ignorance about someone or where they come from or or is there something else? And that's why I said classism before, because you use the example of New York and the Deep South. Mm-hmm. And you can't broad stroke all the New Yorkers or anything like that. There's some there's great people everywhere and there's shitty people everywhere. Right. Mm-hmm. And but there is definitely and you could go to, to a few days ago. They had that gala at the Met. Oh, God. Perfect example. We could oh spend God. five hours talking about that cluster. You know, right. In the nonsense involved. Yeah. And you've got people going to this thing, spending zillion dollars on all these outfits and going there to support a museum, which I love museums, I love museums, but to use that as a platform to cosplay, as the saying goes, and, and show yourself as something you are totally not. Yeah. And, and you're, they're pretenders. Yeah. Well, you know what makes me laugh about that besides the AOC bullshit when oh, her dress hilarious. looks her dress looks like a a a Chick-fil-A bag. Um Jesus. with uh, yeah, besides all that. You remember the Hunger Games? Mm-hmm. What our society is exactly going like? No, right it is. It is not going. It is that it, like? First of all, I love museums. What mm-hmm. a stupid fucking event! I'm sorry. It is a dumb event that is just comprised of ultra wealthy people that aren't morally um, efficient enough to find something else to do with their ample amounts of money. Donations are fine. All that stuff is fine. The Met Gala. Do you really think they're hurting for money? No, exactly. It's, it's, it's compiling. It's like the Church of Scientology. No offense to the Church of Scientology, <laughs> but it's like, guys, you're you don't really need the money you're asking for. It like, is a it is a segregation of a class that has no true understanding 
of itself. the messages they're trying to broadcast to yeah. make them feel like they're part of the broader class system. Yeah, I was I was in a, a city nearby here today, mm-hmm. and on a, a just a fantastic golf course. It was just beautiful. And I know you're just saying that because I wasn't able to go with you. You were supposed you're just to rubbing, go. You were you just would rubbing have it absolutely in. Loved it. And I'm sitting here yeah. with my. I almost had a hole. I almost had my first hole in one. What did you get today? Did you do I, well? No, I will not talk mm, about. Didn't that. do well. Yikes! Because I wasn't. I, my there. bag is lighter from the lack of golf balls. Let's put Ooh. it that way. No, I did. I did okay. I did okay, and then I did shitty. Was but it, it a hard course? Oh yeah. Mm. Oh yeah. Beautiful course, but the course itself. You know what golf course uh, the country clubs look like. The the club itself, right? Sure. Well, you go down a fairway on this, and you look all around you at these houses, and you couldn't tell which one was the golf, uh, the the course club in which one was a house because they're all the same wonderful beautiful big place but the the thing i was talking to the one of the guys i was golfing with about was the fact that these people have no true understanding of you know have them drive down to to you know otai mesa or tijuana and and get a real feel for what's different don't put on a freaking dress and go to the met and claim you're somehow associated or affiliated with that. Well, because you're not. I guess, yeah. And I guess my point, I don't really care. Like, I, look, I've come to this position where I don't really fucking care what wealthy people do. I don't either. When it comes to that type of stuff. What I care about is like the, oh, I'm better than you because I can't. That's what I'm and, saying. And, well, and that's, and I'm, I'm just affirming that. So for my position, it's like, like I look at people like AOC or I look at people like uh god who who was a uh, who was at that thing there was a ton of people there I'm trying to remember uh, yeah. they're like specific people that were on the board that were just like ridiculous Billy Eilish Billy yeah Billy yeah. Eilish I think uh, uh um what's his name with Off White was on the board I, I could be wrong um but I, my my whole point is it's like it's such an opulently stupid event and it perfectly encapsulates, in my opinion, what America is to the rest of the world. Mm-hmm. It, it is it is the most... And here's the thing. That's what the rest of the world sees. So they'll... Come, like, I don't know if you've ever seen the graphic online, but like it shows like what Europeans or what people from other countries think of America. And like the entire west side of America is California. And up north is... is, uh, is, is uh, all of up north is New York. And then the middle is like <laughs> Bumpkinville or Texas. And that's mm-hmm. it. And it's like, it just really, it's just misrepresentative of, it, it just misrepresents what the country is about. It misrepresents mm-hmm. what people with money should be about. Because mm-hmm. um, there's one thing, you know, to uh, be bummed about what's going on in the world and talk about it and be like, oh, like Leonardo DiCaprio, oh, I need to save the world from climate change. And then when he's crying about it, he's wiping, you know, his tears away with like gold dollar bills. You know what killed the Irish elk? <clears throat> Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. He After did. he was mauled by the no. bear. Climate change did. Sure it did. 10,000 years ago. Yeah. When they had basically an ice age. They should have changed their ways and invested I, in green energy humans, solutions No, I think then. humans caused that. Well, they should have invested in like giant windmills. Um, speaking <laughs> the of, Dutch did. Speaking of, you know, really, <laughs> speaking of really dumb things that are not the Dutch, um, but also are kind of interesting. Uh, the world is so stupid right now that Nicki Minaj, uh, I believe, has been red-pilled. <laughs> you know what red-pilling is? No, but I can imagine. So She's just been... to explain for our listeners, red pilling is, there's a few different terms. There's blue pilled, there's red pilled, and there's black pilled. I would say I'm probably towards the black pilled in which everything makes means nothing, and there's no rhyme or reason to anything, uh, <laughs> but and there's no truth anywhere. Um, red pill is like, oh, you're starting to see through the the, 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 the veil. veil of what uh, far left liberalism is, and blue pilled is you're starting to see through the veil of what far right 
you know, uh, extremism is. Um, So weird series of events. But basically, um, Nicki Minaj is apparently vaccine hesitant, uh, which doesn't surprise me. Um, we heard what it was based on, though, right? Because one of her family friends or family members took the vaccine. And uh, was whoop. it down in Trinidad? No, like somewhere in Africa. Tobago or something? Something well, like that. Well, I, I don't remember. But, I don't, yeah. But he, he, he had, uh, like, uh, swollen testes or some crap like yeah, that. Yeah, swollen balls. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, well, what's funny is, you know, I was thinking about it, and I saw her tweet, um, and apparently... Reminds me of an ACDC song, by the way. Who, what? I've got big balls. Oh, yeah. I love that song. That's a great song. (laughs) Biggest balls of them all. That's a great song. I forgot about that song. God, you unlocked like a memory in my head. (laughs) Um, Well, apparently Tucker Carlson picked it up because she was ranting about it online, basically saying, you know, I don't trust it. Like, I don't think like, I don't know what's going like. I'm not going to take it. Like, I've already had COVID, yada, yada, yada. Right, right. He picked it up. And uh, she retweeted the video that Tucker put out, like with a little bullseye on Twitter. Mm-hmm. And then some dude, uh, uh, Hassan the Han, uh, Hassan Nabi, I don't know who, uh, Hassan Abi, I don't know who that is. Mm-hmm. Um, he responded saying, you know, he's a white nationalist, right? And she said, right, I can't speak to, agree with, even look at some someone from a particular p- political party. People aren't human anymore. If you're black and a Democrat tells you to shove marbles up your ass, you simply have to. If another wow. party tells you, if another party tells you to, to look out for that bus, stand there and get hit. Which is interesting because she's basically saying, well, I have to basically do whatever the Democrats tell me. And if a Republican tells me something, then I can't trust them. She Didn't um, she have a Twitter war with that, that gal from The View? Oh, Joy, Joy, Joy Behar, Joy, or, yeah, Joy Behar, yeah. Uh, somebody, somebody over there in her went back and forth, and you know, calling each other racists and everything yeah, like that. It's yeah, like, yeah, what yeah, the yeah. hell is well, going? When Nicki Minaj turns that corner, whew. well, you know, something's wrong in society. <laughs> there, I mean, there's so many things wrong in our society right now, but you know, something's wrong in society when Joy Behar and Nicki Minaj are arguing over whether you should support the traditionalist system or if you should be skeptical of things. Um, seeing that Nicki Minaj in all of her raps is basically talking about, I guess, like fighting against the traditionalism of right, what right. people would assume traditionalism would be. What's interesting is the White House actually invited her. Uh, to make do a phone call to do a phone call and doctor dr fauci you know i have my questions but i haven't received that call yet have yeah you? right no have neither you have I. That call? we'll talk about privilege um but the uh the white house basically she said the white house has invited me and i think it's a step in the right direction yes i'm going i'll be dressed in all pink like legally blonde so they know i mean business oh my god <laughs> What a cloud world. And and here's the thing is that didn't go through. Something else happened. And it's just kind of fallen through at this point in time because um, uh, something like there was something detailed that happened that kind of threw it, yeah. um, threw it off. But long story short is it's, it's just such a the White House is using this as a as a, 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 a reason to explain to people who are hesitant her 22 million followers. But by the way, you, you know what the- to explain why the vaccine is, is something they should do. Yeah, well, you know the the weird thing about a lot of this stuff to me, it, the whole world, it, the whole world, the United States, and in mm. <laughs> a lot of the world, all the, the world. all this, all these kind of debates that are going on through social media, through governmental agencies, through pressure tactics, and you know the the president of our country, uh, you know, yelling at me like, like I'm his his long, you know, like like his I'm I'm his drug addict son. Maybe you should yell at Hunter instead of me. 
about shit that they're doing wrong, right? But but I mean, the whole thing is it reminds me of of the Wizard of Oz. Yeah. You know, the, the Wizard of Oz was back behind that curtain with that machine and the giant megaphone and doing his dance and moving like a like a you know a monkey with with tambourines or whatever the hell it is. And it turns out and he was a dick. Not, well, the point is, is there was a curtain. Yeah. Okay, so a lot of this shit's been going on forever, but it's be, been veiled. It's been uh, couched in a certain way or minimized to a factor, more subtlety. There's no subtlety anymore. The curtain's gone, the, yeah. and the clown ship is going on. Well, it's like the, the clown in the cellar isn't in the, in the cellar. The clown in the drain pipe is not there anymore in dairy, right? Yeah. He's out front. He's got a whole shitload of balloons in his hand. He's, he's come over here and... Watch me while I bite your head off. I'm going to get the next guy. Well, you know what's wow, interesting? That was, yeah, that was really a really dark, weird analogy. Know. Um, you know it would be better if the clown was a velociraptor? Okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> <laughs> clown velociraptor hybrid on roller skates. Um, there you go. You know what's interesting to, to me about all this is this is seemingly coming from only specific demographics within our culture. I learned today, by the way, that Anthony Fauci is 80 years old. So our president's 78 years old. Anthony Fauci's 80 years old. Um, what's her name? Nancy Pelosi is 81. Uh, we have a we have a ruling class like like you mentioned the the Met guy, the Met. Mm-hmm. A freaking Madonna came on stage. She's in her 70s. She took off her jacket. I think she's in her 70s. I would say mm-hmm. like let me look it up. Late really 60s quick. probably. No, I'm pretty sure she's in her <coughs> 70s. Age of Madonna. I'm doing technical. age of Madonna. Age of Madonna. She's sick. Okay, she's sixty three. Yeah, but she came out in a, an appropriate elderly jacket, ripped it off, and was wearing a dominatrix outfit. And for me, like, oh, I, and and I was listening. I was listening to something about this today, and it was an interesting top uh, subject. And it's kind of on a, a tangent, but it's an interesting subject. Why is it that all the people who are in our like society that run everything, why is it that they're losing their minds collectively all at the same time? Have you noticed that they're all kind of losing it? And, and we talk about the veil coming off. It is a specific generation that is making these very strange decisions, these decisions of do whatever you want. Let's push things like abortion through. Let's t- pretend that the government is your friend and should take care of you. As the Times, as the Times came out a week and a half ago saying from, cri- from cradle to grave, they said that. Like it, mm-hmm. It's specific demographics that are pitching this. And the problem is that we've got millennials and Gen Zers just gobbling this shit up like it makes any semblance of sense when the generation well, that's pushing it didn't have that. Well, but they've decided that from a uh, political and a statistical <laughs> excuse me, standpoint that that's what people want now. The new generation's coming yeah, up. I don't want to be coddled. Mm-mm. They want to stay in, in mom's basement. They want to get fed, you know, Fritos and, and Twinkies well, for as long as humanly possible. And they want to make sure they have the ability to go do all the other frivolous non-work stuff. So here's, that's, that's a broad stroke, but that's that's what they believe. Well, that's what the government believes. Well, I think that's what a lot of people in that demographic believe, though, because for as long as I have been alive, the f- consistent message that I've heard from a lot of individuals be it family or friends is you'll understand when you hit that point mm-hmm. when in the reality when that group says you'll understand when you hit that point that means that they're never going to let you hit that point because then they can't see you as an equal they can't see you as a peer so when you talk about certain things when it comes to the ruling class and the joe biden's and the nancy pelosi's and the madonna's of the world they're having this power struggle of okay we're getting to this point where we're not going to be around much longer but we don't want to relinquish the power we have to the next generation because we don't see them as equals to us 
I think that's what it comes down to. And at the same time, millennials and Zoomers are so entitled and so arrogant in the sense that we think we know better that we feel that we need to tear down everything in order to make it new because we haven't had anything significant quite yet, knock on wood, I mean, you know what? happen in our lives. They may be that, right. That Well, yeah, but the point is if you put someone in that that box, they're going to fulfill your, your expectation of them. Well, the, the point I'm making with that maybe right thing is that if that's where we're flowing, then... It may end up happening whether, you know, some of us don't want it to, you know, and, and the question becomes is how is history, history going to be looking back at this transitional period? Is it going to say whatever was brought out of this period and reshaped and reformed this new building that we all live in as a civilization? Is it better than the old building or should have we just given it a facelift? You know, that's that's the kind of kind of thing that I think about all the time. I am I'm a gradualist. Sure. I am not. I, I know there's different people that can make very valid logical arguments for tearing down everything to build back something within the context of something reasonable. It, but it's extended across this whole swath yeah, of things. But you have to remember the reason why they're feeling that way is because the generation that has built that thing is unwilling to relinquish power. You look at our Congress. The average age in Congress is 63. Mm. Their president, the last four presidents have been in their 70s. Or not, okay, not not Obama, but like the last, the, the, I mean, let's see, there was Trump. He was late 60s. Trump and Biden. Trump and Biden. He was, he's it. in his 70s. That's Obama it. was what, in his four? If he was late 40s. Late 40s, in his 50s. Bush was, Bush was 50s. in his 50s. Bush Sr. No, Clinton. Or Clinton was in his <laughs> 50s. And then Bush Sr., was he in his late 60s? He was in his 60s. So... I guess my point is the 50s is fine, but I feel like everything over the last maybe 10 years has been trending towards an older and older demographic, which if we talk about terms of change, you well, see quick... I, I, see, you let see me go faster, back to that in a second, well, wait, because I don't agree with you, but Sure, ahead. but you see, you see tons of change in the last decade or so, which is pushing forward other areas of life that otherwise wouldn't have changed as quick. You look at social media, you look at technology. So I guess my point in saying all this is not that the mass conglomerate of the de generation doesn't want to relinquish power and pass off because that, that's what how that's how it happens. You have to mm -hmm. be able to trust the generation that you're passing this off and say you guys will be able to do better and we'll advise you. The, the, the generation in specific power right now, the way I look at it, doesn't want to confront the fact that they're getting older. They don't want to relinquish things when it comes to specific government areas. They don't want to act their age. See, I, I think you're looking at this the wrong way. I well, the reason right. I say that is I'm looking at it from my perspective. Right, you're looking at it, and from, I'm not talking. By the way, I'm not. You're talking, looking at it from the generation that is taking over. Yeah, I'm not right? talking about like you or people I know. I'm talking about I, like I, the far removed. I understand what you're saying, but yeah. hey, the old lion, that's the head of the the pride, never relinquishes it unless he's battled and taken away from him by a younger lion. That's what happens. Yeah. And, and so you can't kinda. expect these people, the swamp, if you want to call it, these these elderly statesmen, of course they don't want to relinquish it. Everything about our world today is focused more in on this group than ever in their entire history. So it's not like you, you can you can see it in sports all the time. Well, you know why it doesn't yes. work in sports is because somebody at the top is looking at it and saying he can't throw the ball anymore. We got to get a new guy in here. That's, that's what they say. And we have a salary cap and we have all this structure we have to do. The problem with government, when we look at this, is there is none of that. 
Yeah. There is nobody on top saying, these guys got to go. Well, That's pe- supposed to be the voters. Well, yeah, it should be the people. <laughs> the problem, though, again, is there are people. And I, look, I don't care about factions from the extent of like you have to vote a certain way. I've always hated that mm-hmm. argument. We've talked about this in prior episodes. I guess my point is, let's look at the last election. Yeah. Joe Biden. You had uh, Amy Klobuchar. Mm-hmm. You had um, uh, freaking, what's her name? Elizabeth Warren. You had Bernie, Bernie Sanders. Sanders. You had, um, what's her face? Trump uh, on the other side. Kamala. Mm-hmm. You had, um, what's, the, what's the younger one? The Buddha Judge. What's the younger woman that I liked? Uh, the Democrat. Uh, Toby, or not Toby. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. Tulsi Gabbard. So you and, have this younger coalition of Democrats mm-hmm. that for some reason the power, the establishment party doesn't want to push forward. Same right. thing with Republicans. You have a large conglomerate of Republicans that would be ample leaders, but the party itself doesn't want to push them forward. I guess my point in saying that is when we look at the presidency of Joe Biden, and for some people when you look at the presidency of Donald Tr- Trump, the question is competency. That's what the some people had that for Trump. Sure. A lot of people have that Different for Biden. Different reasons, but yeah. And the question now is who's running everything? So, you know, when you look at something like, you know, for and obviously we're on a tangent again, we're not even getting close to our topic, but <laughs> um, you look at something with, like, for example, with Joe Biden in the last four or five different conferences that he's come out and had like a discussion with reporters, he finishes his statement and just leaves. Right. Oh, no. Doesn't he's, take any he's, questions. The polar opposite of his, his predecessor. But there's, I don't, can't possibly remember a single president that, that has ever done that, where they just leave all the time. Uh, on occasion. Sometimes. For some specific reason, but not all the time. Yeah. And this guy's obviously got handlers. Sure. And they're really handling him. And they know they have to. And that's that's fine. Because the, the power structure in the United States is not supposed to be one person wielding all the power anyway. That's never the way it's but that's why there's checks and balances. That's but the the challenge is the infrastructure's been around, especially the older one that you're mentioning, is what's keeping that power in place and the real the real problem with all this is you can't hire someone to make the rules about how you can't hire anybody else so if you hire me for your company and my job my job is to make the rules for the rest of the company and for your hiring process i'm never gonna put a rule in place that's going to allow you to hire somebody to replace me that's what the I, power I retention is about. No, I get that, but I think the problem is that they, most of these people I mentioned, they're not going to be alive much longer. Statistically, on average, they won't be alive much longer. So right. what they're doing is they're setting up the former generation to be fucked. Like, yes, they are politically, <laughs> because you think about it this way. If there's a large conglomerate of individuals in society that say, okay, we have the power, we retain the power, we're not confident enough to be able to take people under our wings and pass the power off, we're going to keep it for ourselves, and then they all go away, there's no one to fill that vacuum. Unless you want people who are psychopaths. I think there are some great people. I'm not saying that there are not outliers, I'm saying... Look at the look at the apathy right now relation in re, in relation from my generation towards everything based on a single event a year ago in which uh, a, a someone a criminal was murdered by a police officer. Twenty two million of us decided to burn down cities. Oh, but that was just protesting. The, no, that, that's not the point I'm getting at. That's not the point I'm getting at. My point is there has to be a large level of apathy about your existence about the the belief system associated with why everything exists in order to drive you in that direction i'm not giving them an excuse it was not an option it should never have been an option mm-hmm. but my point is there has to be this level understanding that eventually 
the next generations, the people after you are going to have to take over, and you don't fuck the system before but you But not leave. a single person that was out there burning, well, the one's burning it down for sure, but not a single person that was out there protesting mm -hmm. for any of those groups would tell you that they were apathetic. They would say the exact opposite. That they're they're emboldened by the no, courage of the generation and the, no, the idea of repairing I, I the histories of our I've civilization. Plenty of videos. No, that's not what they're saying. They're saying they're saying they're saying, they're saying we're going to come out on no, the streets and demonstrate not, because no, we don't care about anything. They're saying, they're saying they're everything's saying? broken. The system's broken. That's Nothing not works. That's apathy, not apathy. Apathy is I don't care. Okay. About anything. I, yeah. don't, I don't have enough desire. If you're apathetic towards something like the system, you're going to assume that everything associated with it isn't working. No, your antithesis is is that system. Okay. You're against that system. Sure. You're not apathetic about it. You're enthusiastic about trying to change it. Now, maybe we're getting our, our definitional stuff wrong, but go ahead. Hit the definitions. My, I guess my point is... It, we can talk about the definition. It's a lack of interest, enthusiasm, or concern, as you said. But if you have a lack of concern about something, you're not going to treat it well. You're not going to look at it. Some. You're not going to look at it with a. I wouldn't say reverence. That's probably a bad word. But you're not going to look at it as something that needs to be cultivated. You're not going to look at it as something that can be fixed. You're not going to look at it as something that can be worked on. You're going to look at it. You're going to be like a child. If you mm -hmm. lose a game, you're going to throw the game on the floor. So you're you're going to throw a tantrum. But that's that. That, apathy, that I agree but with. Apathy derives. It plays into that. I. I see. I there's an agreement and a disagreement here. Sure. I don't think anybody that that gets up off their couch and goes out and creates uh, a, a protest or does all these things are. If somebody's gonna burn down a building or steal a TV or do all that other kind of bullshit, then they don't give a shit about anything except themselves. Okay, that's that's true. But if you have a, a true protest, something you actually believe in, and you want to tear down the structures and do all that. The, the part of it that's apathetic will only be determined after those structures are changed. So I guess my, my question, because you're right, my question is, what is the end goal? No one has ever told what, the, no one They is have able, no idea. So then they're apathetic. If they no, can't No, they're just delusional. They no, have no answer. No. People, people are angry. And, Delusion's the byproduct, the apathy. We, and the reason I say this is <laughs> because I've heard it from people my age and I've heard it from, uh, I mean, look at the social culture right now. People think every, I can't tell you the amount of times that I've heard a lot of people say everything is broken, be it from people in my age group and from people who are older than me, they say everything's broken without evidence of it being broken. They've said, people in my demographic are likely never going to be able to retire based on current averages. They're likely never going to be able to own anything based on current inflation rates. They're likely never going to be able to pursue something that other former generations were able to pursue. So what is the purpose of everything? That's the problem we're suffering from. That's why there's an identity issue because of that apathy towards everything else. It's not an apathy of, you know, okay, apathetic towards myself. It's an apathy towards the future. That's the problem with all this. And the reason that's occurring is because one of the power groups, be it Republican, Democrat, non-defined, theological, whatever, they're unwilling to compromise with their own existence. They want to say, okay, we're going to own the power until we're gone and we're not going to set up anything at all. We're not going to fix anything. We're not going to set, we're not going to make sure things run appropriately because when we're dead, nothing's going to matter. Why do you think the last 18 months occurred? You think it's really to protect people? No, because it fucks not. everyone. It fucks my generation. It fucks your generation. It fucks generations after us for decades. That's the end result of all this. And for me, I'm not apathetic towards that. I understand it can be fixed, 
But that's what I see from my perspective of, you know, what's occurring with all this. And when you see someone like Nicki Minaj, who is of the 1%, calling it out, and I'd like to think she's maybe smarter than the average bear. You have to have some sort of brain to be, you know, ultra wealthy. You have to have some semblance of intelligence. I'd like to think. Um, but when you see someone like her calling out the establishment, which is on both ends, there's a problem there. Because everyone else, all of her followers are going to feel the same way. And currently, the, 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 the atmosphere of the United States is very clearly going through an identity crisis. And I don't think it's being pushed by the older generation. I think it's being fortified by the older generation. Well, it's an interesting perspective. And while I don't agree with all of it, there are parts of it that I can see happening. And I think the, the challenge is when we talk about these generational divisions, because it, it tends to point at one and it, it not accept responsibility for the other. Mm -hmm. Because the other part about what you're talking about is that these supposed generations, perhaps they had advantages mm -hmm. in certain ways that we can look at historically that were better for that generation to accomplish certain things at the time. But it's simply a set of different circumstances. So the question then becomes, and in, in maybe you're right about the ap ap apathetic, I was going to say apatheticness, but the apathy that is revolving around this current younger generation for the future. Mm -hmm. But we've ta we talk about this interpersonally all the time. Sure. You've got to have goals. You've got to have purpose. You've got to be goaling for things. You've got to be looking for how to advance yourself in whatever yeah. that means to you. Yeah, but... But if you're apathetic, you don't do that but, at all. You just flail around so me, and hope somebody else will do it for you. In the government, these old folks are looking at you and saying, well, this is just a bunch of apathetic young people. Who, Let's give them some salary and placate them, pat them on the head. What and, demographic told everyone they needed to go to college and put themselves in lifelong debt? Which one was it? I mean, and look, it's not your guys. It's the, the demographic before you. Now, I guess my point is I'm not saying that millennials and Zoomers aren't, are without fault. We are. We, we, us buying into our own bullshit is our problem. The generation prior, though, that, you know, that was very much a part of a lifestyle that is foreign, not only to me, but even some degree to you, the lifestyle that they had of come back from the war, have 10 <laughs> children, have one job, own a house, make $10 an hour, and live like a king has not occurred. Now, the funny thing is, where, whereas they had those benefits, we have a higher level of, uh, of wealth, and we have a higher level of luxury because of the things that we have, because of over time, obviously, you know, the, the supply chain and how mm -hmm. you know, supply and demand, things get cheaper as time goes on. So I, I'm not saying that's not the case. I'm not saying there's no problems with the generation. All I'm pointing out is it, it seems very obvious that some things are being done with intention to cripple the following groups that's what it seems like because you don't to create me it's crippling individualism sure which is you don't create dependency like uh, unintentionally like dependency is something that you intentionally facilitate i don't think that's true i think for the most part it can be i i, I disagree with you on that too because if you look back to the the you know johnson era back mm -hmm. in the late 60s and the, the whole promotion of all these inner city dwellings for the low incomes and all that kind yeah, of but that stuff. Wasn't inner, social, that wasn't unintentional, that, though. It was an intentional goodwill. Mm, you see, agree. See, this is the difference between you and me. You believe there's a design there to intentionally uh, keep down 
a populist space, correct? Mm -hmm. That's what you believe. Yes. And I can see that from a point of view. I believe some great intentions were involved by a lot of the people involved with that. I don't think it was nefarious. I think it was, let's get people out of the hospitals, out of the streets, get them into buildings, provide a community for them they can thrive in. And but the the problem though, and I think you're you're right about it. I guess if you think of it from a a non governmental perspective, correct. The problem though is the government. Very rarely do they create programs with good intent. I don't believe that anymore. I don't think the government comes into a situation and says we're going to create a dependency because that's what that's what the welfare state is. It was a, I it was a dependency. That. It was a and here's the thing: if you look at the data back then, there was really no need for them to create it. There was really no need for it. Black individuals back then were making just as much, if not more, than white individuals statistically. Family rates were the, yes, family rates were the average. When we talk about employment rates, when we talk about making money, the family rates between the black community and the white community prior to that that whole thing were roughly average. Thomas Sowell talks, Th- Thomas Sowell talks about this. <laughs> And because of the welfare state, the black community dropped. And as time has gone so, on, so has the white community when it comes to family rates, when it comes to the the, the fatherhood and yes, motherhood I, and the I family, all that. all that stuff. I get all that. But and, I, all I'm saying is there's an old saying, the path to hell is paved with good intentions, right? Mm, that's that's a saying, and, it, and it's a cliche for a reason. Yeah, I, yeah, I've come to determine that the path to hell is paved with uh, with just, just intentions. The bodies of everybody. Just and, intentions Well, in and, and you know what? The, I guess the challenge I have with the last year and a half is that I'm sliding in your direction on these things very quickly because it's it's it impossible to trust people that that kind of lie to you all the time. Well, you know, I mean, it's just it just and, and look, this is just the perception of two individuals who are are layman people. I mean, we're not geniuses. I like to think I'm smarter than the average bear, but it, my view on this is it just seems intentional. And as time goes on, you start to learn more about things. It's like with nine eleven. People have always had skepticism about sure. that. I'm not saying I'm on either side. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that mattered then is that 3,000 innocent Americans died. Mm-hmm. That's what matters. It was a terrible incident, and it's heartbreaking. Is it not fucking unbelievably coincidental on the 20th anniversary of 9-11, basically, that the Taliban is now re- re- revived? Right. What are the odds of that? I mean, that, like, and I guess my point is about like... About the same odds that a bat bit of pangolin and yes pangolin was eaten by and, somebody and the only reason i think that it's becoming more of a uh obvious nonsense type of maelstrom with all this is that the right word maelstrom? yes it is that's a great um, word is is that we have technology to keep track of this shit like the, like i can't i swear it's like the biden administration or in the trump administration they don't understand that the internet is forever and same with politicians. They'll say something and then it'll be on camera and we have the full quote and we can go and look at it. And either A, the supporters don't want to look at it or B, the politicians yeah, just want to pretend it found, didn't happen. They've found a way to sequester that information, those videos, done, And a lot of it, right? If they can if they can just turn off your video feed or audio feed or erase stuff that you did on Twitter or whatever else, then... Well, and that's and that's, I think, is another byproduct of a generation that doesn't want to relinquish power. They don't want to relinquish the trust from something because you look at something, you look at the news and media industry, for example. But that generation is not the one running those tech companies. They're running the news media industry that is still incredibly wealthy that is going out of business. Why do you think they have such a problem with things like the Daily Wire or things like Tim Pool or things like other or Blaze Media? But the bottom line is that there's a huge swath of young and middle-aged people Mm -hmm. that... I have ideas that haven't been sorted yet 
and that is going to change our world. Yeah. The question is so. how you want to change it. Like I said earlier, I'm a gradualist. I think you should let things kind of seep into the 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 DNA, if you will, mm-hmm. of of our society and see things change over time. Because when you when you're a disruptor, when you just tear things down and burn them up and just say let's start over, you have you have to expect this huge time period of almost anarchy to occur because that's what we're seeing today. We're seeing divergent opinions, resegregation of our society along, you know, uh, race lines of race, religion, creed, thought process, freedom of speech and parties that you think better of than one another. Which again, pointing back to the oddness of all this, the same generation that didn't have to experience that because they worked through it. That's fine. You good? Okay. The same generation that didn't have to experience that because they work through it is also the same generation that is allowing and encouraging it to happen. Like you, you look at like the, we brought up, I brought up the riots. Not a single person who is currently in leadership right now has openly condemned that. I can talk about maybe some Republicans. I can talk about maybe some outlying voices on it. Um, I think, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, not James Earl Jones. Um, hmm. The guy that yeah, was I in Pulp Fiction, about. he talked about it. Uh, yeah. Um, and obviously Morgan Freeman has said things about this as well. But there there are specific <clears throat> players that have been able to live through a time in which everyone looked at each other relatively equally, relatively, or at least pretended they did, that are now trying to make that go away. It's almost, and, when this, and I've told you this before, it almost seems like we've gone back 60 years as if nothing's changed. Yeah, we decided to just ways. push a button and go backwards. Yeah. Except now we have uh, more technology to further fortify those segregated lines. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, cool. That's great. Like I remember, gro- and, and I keep referring to my generation as the last generation that was in existence prior to the internet. Or not mm-hmm. the internet, the social media. And technically to some degree the, the usage of the internet. Mm-hmm. Or cell phones. Because we were. Mm-hmm. seems like we're also going to be the last generation that remembers it when people were able to look at each other as normal human beings and say, oh, you just look different than me. Who gives a shit? Mm-hmm. And joke about it, yeah. like and so. I mean, speaking of like, God, we've knocked it an hour and haven't even gotten to our topic yet. I mean, should we even address it? Of course, we should. We should address everything. Well, I mean, speaking of ridiculous, bigoted people and individuals and institutions that shouldn't be trusted, Walt Disney. Mm. Um, yeah. I have my, and as you're aware, and everyone I know is probably aware of this, I have my inclinations that disney is an evil organization you know it's the happiest place on earth no it's not yes it is it's all lovely yeah it's it's all fairy tale and (laughs) interestingly i mean there's a ton of things about disney we, we ought to dive into but the character himself disney himself uh, you know he had this quote unquote dream right and I'm going to pop your bubble on him. It's not a bubble. It's not a bubble. I'm not disillusioned by it. And I don't care one way or another about Walt himself. Yeah. But I think that you have to remember while we're going through this conversation that he, let me see, he died in 60 something. Let me, let me look it up. Uh, you can look it up. But he, he died during a time when things were viewed, spoken about. 66. 66. December so he, 15th. So he died during what was a very tumultuous time, right? Kennedy was assassinated, Martin Luther King, all this all this stuff was going on, the the sexual revolution, people were changing their views on a whole lot of things. 
So I don't condemn him for the person he was, just as I don't condemn our founding fathers for who they were. But when you look at Disney's corporation now and the eventualities that came out of the proposition of this futuristic city and all the stuff involved, that's when you start to go, hmm, it was its own, something uh, a little it, different here. Well, they're basically their own government. Oh, they are. Yeah, in Florida, it's they are. Well, they tried to do it in California too. Um, I they, I can't remember. I think it was two thousand like seven or two thousand six. Um, they wanted to basically, and I'm I'm very high high leveling this because I don't mm-hmm. have it in front of me. Um, they basically tried to force the city of Anaheim to allow them to make any sort of. They they wanted to build this like tram to oh, their yeah. park, and they've tried to lobby the city of Anaheim to allow them to do it. And obviously they failed, thankfully. Um, but I just find it to be really they interesting. They didn't fail in Florida on any of that. No, they didn't. I mean, they, they the, the, the marshland that the, they bought. That they bought it for like uh, a few hundred dollars an acre. Uh, That's it. It was only a couple price. hundred bucks an acre. 180 or something like 120, something like that. And my understanding, if you read in depth about this, is it was facilitated in part by, do you know who? The FBI. CIA. CIA. Same difference. Big difference. <laughs> Domestic know, right? versus international. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which you got to wonder about that differentiation too. And the, But the, the reality is, is they got involved from a politi- political aspect in all the little cities around there. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, they created... Didn't we drive by one on the way out of there, out of Orlando when we were there? Um, there was like this weird little town that I noticed, and I was like, what the hell is this little city? Well, there's a lot of weird little towns there. Um, it was $182 an acre, by the way. So it's 27,400 acres for more than $5 million Yeah, from 51 landowners. God. Amazing, They got, they got huh? ripped off. To- totally. You think That they- was a long time ago, but... But still, it was unproductive land. They can make the excuse that, hey, we're going to turn this into the blah, 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 blah. But why the way they did it, how they they basically make their own rules there, from yeah. what I understand. Yeah. So. Well, I mean, and what's interesting about Disney, obviously, I don't want to lambast his character because, I mean, that, if you can do that with anybody, uh, was kind of a dick, just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. And what's interesting is that Disney has always been kind of secretive about what his view has been. They really don't want to tarnish it. Um, now, granted, this next article that I'm going to bring up things from was from The Guardian, so you can take it with a grain of salt. Um, but this book, uh, a book was written called Walt Disney, The Triumph of the American Imagination, written by Neil Gabler. Um, and he was able to receive unprecedented access to records about Disney himself. And he was also the first author to get Disney's family permission to examine fully the complete Disney archives. Gabler portrays Disney as the emotionally driven son of a cold father who sought to create a fantasy world for himself in which he would feel loved and safe and ended up spreading the invention to the world. During a peripatetic childhood of material and emotional deprivation, at least as he remembered it, he began drawing and retreating into these imaginative worlds, Gabler writes. Hmm. Now, obviously, who didn't as a child? I mean, I mean yeah, I used to climb, I used to climb sure, trees. But that I had tree mean, forts, underground forts. Yeah, I, I would that, venture off into the woods. Yeah, but that doesn't mean that there isn't some darkness there. Um, you know, obviously, you know, are you he, searching for darkness, or would you rather see? Well, the but light? that's. But here's the problem: is that's the defense that's always made about these things. They that people like I was reading a ton of articles on this and people were like, well, the skeptics of Disney, they they're all far right Christians and they want to find badness and good. And my view is 
you know, they could be right about things. It, yeah, it, yeah. you got to keep an open mind to this kind of yeah. shit. Anyway, I mean, the guy was a Freemason, like a top, yes, top which rung is Freemason. Crazy. He was also um, he was also known to apparently had a ferocious temper um, against apparently people that he saw as left wing, which is really odd to me, because he testified enthusiastically <laughs> before the House of Un-American Activities Committee and detailed what he saw as communist plots to take over Hollywood. So well, ironic, that was right? McCarthyism. Then. Of course it was McCarthyism, but isn't that a little tad, uh, tad ironic that well, Disney, the founder of Disney, was f- apparently far right well, against communism, and now the company itself has this, been found to work and thank the the leader, uh, the, I can't like the ambassador of Xinjiang. You can't beat him, join him, right? I, mean, I guess. <laughs> but um, he also... He branded some former animators as communists. He said the Screen Actors Guild was a communist front and labeled the 1941 strike that hit his studio a communist plot. Uh, he everything even was contacted the FBI about alleged communist infiltration. Well, you know, the interesting part about that is if you read a lot about McCarthy and Disney and those oh, characters yeah. at the time, they were not wrong about everything. No. I mean, there was a lot of that shit going on. And it was, it was kind of the, it was kind of like Hollywood now. They're these elites that wanted to think their own way in a very Marxist kind of kind of flavor. So it's not surprising that things like that happen. But you're absolutely right. He was he was railing against those kind of things. Yeah. But I I would love to see the inside scoop on the whole Freemason thing because I believe there's 33 levels, right? Yes. And well, there's there's uh, well they talk about that that the the club thirty three being yeah. on the thirty third latitude or parallel. whatever parallel. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know science. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just I mean, obviously this was stemmed from a video that both you and I watched uh, earlier this week. That and it's one of those funny conspiracy videos that are that are you well you did. Um, I, I heard bits. And pieces you heard bits and pieces of it, but it's still fun. Um, to read these things like the Alex Joneses of the world, the 33rd parallel, you know, all the aliens conglomerate on Disney and they go down to the Epcot and they, they, they get together in these wild sex parties. Like it's, 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 uh, it's, it's something that like, it's fun to discuss, but I was watching it with Beowulf and there was a certain point where you're just kind of like, okay, they talk about building the marshlands. They talk about trying to influence the government. Walt Disney was kind of a skeptical, weird guy because he was in the Masons. Oh, and all, by the way, there's a pedophile ring in Disney. Oh, and they're of course. Kidnapping of children. Of course, it always goes there. Right? Well, I'm going to read a little bit more about Disney, but then we'll talk a little bit about that. So, uh, so his cartoonists, uh, they tried to form a union, by the way, and he brought in armed guards. He fired organizers, cut wages, and slashed the opening hours of the studio coffee shop. <laughs> at one point, oh no, with, not the coffee I shop! Know, at one point, faced with a strike picket, Disney had to be physically restrained from attacking the leader of the industrial action. Now, this article is very funny, but they basically say in his private life that was when the most disturbing images of Disney emerge. Disney himself felt, felt trapped by his creation and public image. Quote, I'm not Walt Disney anymore. Walt Disney is a thing. It's grown to be a whole different meaning than just one man. He once complained. He was in effect married to his studio, ignoring his long-suffering wife. He would retreat into his mansion and play with a huge toy train set with a track that ran for an astonishing half. Don't you be laughing about train sets. That ran for an astonishing half a mile in length. I would play with that. Jesus. Awesome. Including a 90-foot-long tunnel. Uh, he also associated with a group of anti-Semitic members of the Motion Picture Alliance and frowned on the idea of hiring black people to work in Disneyland. Yeah. So my assumptions about Disney mm-hmm. and the company are probably true, 
Unfortunately, though, Gabler, the guy who wrote this book, um, mm-hmm. he said, you know, obviously, well, this is unfortunate, but it's also something we shouldn't be surprised about. Disney's prejudices were no different from those of many of his contemporaries. At the right. Time. That's kind of what um, I was saying. It's very the, the flavor of the time yeah. was that way. It, wrong, of course, but that's yeah. you well, contextualize. Disney also wasn't cryogenically frozen under the castle. Um, who is who's there's somebody. Not under the castle. I didn't. Well, I didn't the, the, the that, joke, you hear that all yeah. the time. He was uh, he was cremated and his ashes were buried in a private garden. Quote, no, he unquote. wasn't. He's actually been cryogenically frozen. He's inside the castle. Where there, you know, there's a basketball hoop in the castle. Do you know that? Where? Up in I think it's Disneyland in or World Disneyland. In I think it's what's not the Thunder Mountain. What's the the Himalayan one? Oh, um, whatever it is, the Alps one. There's my understanding is there's actually a basketball hoop in there. Why? I have no idea. But, you know, there's a ton of mystery around these different things. Matterhorn. Matterhorn. Thank you. So I've only read that once. You've always it's always broken down. I only wrote it once. I only wrote it it one time. I think think that's because something nefarious is going on in the Matterhorn. It's kind of a cool ride. Like, I mean, like, well, this here's the thing. The, the best memory I have of Disneyland is leaving. No, no. <laughs> I have a really good memory when Beowulf and I were initially before our in our lifelong engagement. Um, we were initially, I mean, or I think it was like two years into our relationship. We went on a Tuesday and it was raining and no one was there. Like we went through the entire park. We rode almost every ride. In like a matter of like five hours. Yeah, you know what? I have one of my best memories there. Matter of fact, my wife has a picture of it in one of her albums of us standing in the rain, and nobody on Main Street but us. It's the best time to do it. Yeah, it's the best time to do it is when it's raining and no one's there. Now, granted, probably not anymore because somebody's always there. Well, someone's always there, and COVID has driven people to be extremes on either end. But. I think what's interesting about reading about Disney is kind of you understand his positioning on some things. Um, now, the reason I think Disney is an evil company is not because of him, but because the people that now currently run it, um, they have decided to participate in a way of pushing agendas in a very subliminal but ever-growing obvious way that I'm not too um, fond of, keen of, mm-hmm. um, and it's a. Uh, it's concerning because you've got, you know, like the movie Mulan. Mm-hmm. Which that was right. That was uh, filmed in that province. Was filmed in the province. And at the very end, if you watch the entire the entire credits, at the very end of the credits, they thank personally the province leaders. Is that any different which, than what the NBA does? No, it's not. And that's I mean, the, it's, both it's, are wrong. This is big and business so, adhering to. I mean, do you know what the largest movie market in the world is now? It's China. Yeah. It, it outdid us as of last year. Sure, and that's not. I'm not saying that's that's. I understand that. I guess my point is, it's one thing to work with the Chinese Communist Party, like we've done for, and like a lot of countries have done for mm-hmm. quite a while. It's another thing entirely to be aware of active genocide going on there of a very small demographic of theologically uh, driven individuals, Muslims, um, and then thank the group that is in charge of that very thing when you're mere miles. Away See, here's it. here's an interesting subject though, because this this identifies one of the major aspects of business that is it's you know they they create these scenarios where a, a business wants to be pictured as socially acceptable 
and nurturing and emotional and we're going to take care of you and do all these things for you free this coffee bar ping pong table all this different whatever the case may be sure but at when you when you break it all down and look at it none of that stuff exists unless there's a certain profit margin and when it when it comes down to evaluating where you make a movie or who you thank at the credits or if you're an NBA player not criticizing the chinese this or doing business in a place that is it doesn't respect women or all these different things that happen or making clothes through through underpaid sweatshop time scenarios whether it's downtown chicago or downtown singapore doesn't all these kind of things come up the economics drive the underlying decision the rest is just this wizard of oz veil that i keep talking about that's what it is yeah it's put it, it this cloak to keep the the <coughs> the business not invisible but um visible i should say not well, invisible but visible to those that are looking f- for well, I guess the, the I guess my point in all that is that you'd think that genocide would be bad for business, right? Like, because because it's one thing to say, okay, well, yeah, but there's a di- there is a difference. There is a difference in extremes when you talk about. And I'm not saying it's okay because when you talk about slave shops that pay m- minimum dollars to get a product, but again, in that country is good money if you think about it Mm -hmm. um there's a difference between that because those instances and those specific scenarios from my understanding of it is the country is responsible in a lot of ways for how those certain things are run for how those regulations and rules are applied now i'm not saying it's okay because the u.s exploits it we do with that being said there's a difference between that and extremes and castrating people or organ harvesting people there's extreme differences there. Now, I'm not to say that it's it's okay on either ends, but the, thi- the the latter of, you know, working with very poor countries and bringing business there at a lesser cost has been something that every country and every empire has done from the beginning of time. Correct. Even Africa did that. I mean, when they were at the peak of their empire. Everybody with, is looking for an advantage yes. for their markets. And here's the thing is products. if you agree to something as a business would, then you've agreed to something and it's like it's like when doing business in a country that does something we don't like no matter what that thing is Mm -hmm. there's a decision to be made whether to do the business or not to do the business and what i'm saying is those decisions are made by economics not by anything else the rest of it is all false well well, i'm not saying you're wrong i think you're right i guess my point is you'd think that genocide would be that line right like you'd think that Look around the world. It happens everywhere. Genocide? When I say that sounded terrible, not everywhere. But this kind of stuff, tribes in Africa butcher each other all the time. There's dictators all over the world that do things to their populations. Sure. There are, I mean, the human existence is fraught with this stuff. Yeah. So do you, do you, now that we're this, this civilized country that knows better than everybody else, just like the people at the Met, that we can push our agenda on these other countries or we take advantage of them? The answer is we take advantage of them. That's the answer all the way around. Why do you think we're nice to Dubai and we've uplifted and we went to war in Iraq and did all these other things over there to support the Shah of Iran when, at, during that? We did it because they had a commodity 
that we wanted here as cheaply as possible. Yeah, but was the Shah of Iran taking large groupings of individuals, holding them in camps, harvesting their organs, castrating their people? I guess my I, point, I'm not arguing that. I, it's I horrible, know, like horrible stuff. Well, I guess my the line of divide that I have here is, you know, the United States and how we acted in relation to Germany during the late 1930s and 1940s. From 1939 to 1945, when no one knew about the Holocaust, by the way, the, when that was going on, most supposedly, most Germans and most people in the world, unless you were upper level in the, the Nazi party or one of the doctors like Joseph, Dr. Joseph Mengele experimenting on twins, most people, or if you lived in the general area, did not know that that was occurring. They didn't know that was occurring, but, but they knew the basis for it to so, happen was was beginning, occurring, the propagandists. Mm, people moved out of Germany. Some they, of the biggest scientists in the world moved sure. to the United States because they didn't want to be over there because they were Jewish in Germany. But there's a discrepancy, though. There's a difference between what happened and the atrocities that happened and the, the genocide that happened with the Jews in World War II and you know, people moving because of war. That happens all the time. I'm not saying that it, that wasn't good or bad, and I'm sure people at the time had their speculations because, you know, moving the Jews for, into different ghettos because of, uh, I think it was... Um, Warsaw ghetto is the big Yeah, thing. but I think that they actually initially, obviously, besides blaming the Jews for, like, economic Well, they issues, just wanted to segregate. And, but no, they, they, it was a disease. They, they, they even said it wasn't the yellow fever. Um, it was... Uh, typhus. It was typhoid. It was typhus. They said that the the Jewish population it was, was typhus dash thirty nine. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, they said the Jewish population was suffering for typhus or typhoid, so they needed to move them away from everyone. The assumption at the time, obviously, were things that were that things were bad, but they didn't know it was to that extent. I guess my having point. that go on back then, and now having what's happening in China occur, you'd think from the American perspective and from other countries' perspective that that would be the line in which we say, okay, we're going to do a blockade on you or we're going to have some semblance of, uh, you know... Okay, we're going political... we're gonna to say don't cross the red line. Well, that's could, what that's we what, could, what we do now. You know, well, we okay, we're going we're gonna to say, hey, by the way, Taliban... No, uh, but that's not the same. Do... That's not the same. Really? Yes, really. It's really? Not, it's not. There's nothing going on over there. They're not I'm killing not, anybody. I'm not saying that. They're it's... Not... That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying the Taliban is a terrorist group. They don't yes. abide by the same rules that governments do. I'm not saying Chinese, China does, does either. China. But there are certain things that we could do, like not bring our we business We could do a lot. To I totally... Look, I'm not disagreeing with you that sure. things should be done. Because whether we have horrible history that you want to, you know, kind of recalculate and, and revisit and indoctrinate people about how evil we were as a country to become who we are. Well, you know what? That is history. We are who we are now. We supposedly have these codes and these ethos that create is, is at least in part a better ethos than some of the things you're talking about overall in these other countries. And we have, we have a decision to make to either do something about it or not. And from a business standpoint, the answer is not. The answer I, I, is we want a bigger sure. audience in China. Which we want to we want the sweatshop which stuff again, coming from Singapore. Sure. Which again, I again I want to make a very clear line. I think the sweatshop disparity between active genocide is a very big one. To compare comparisons there, I understand ethically are negative, but they're not the same. I'm not saying it's okay. I'm saying the line is different. My point is saying companies like Disney, the NBA. Uh, you know, uh, major news conglomerates, um, you know, any clothing brand that is, you know, remotely massive, 
you'd think that genocide would be the line where they say, you know what, we're going to bring our factories back. That's my point. You'd mm-hmm. think like Disney being the the proponent of all things positive of people chasing their dreams. They sure as hell don't care about people in Hong Kong chasing their dreams of freedom. They don't care about the Uyghurs chasing their dreams of not being chemically castrated for believing a fucking <laughs> theology. They don't care about that. So my point is, okay, well, if you're going to posit yourself like it's like it's like a it's like with the Catholic Church. People, t- they give the Catholic Church shit all the time. Yet when they look at Disney and say, well, but he was such a good thing. Well, they, they had such good things. They had such good messages. By the way, why do, why do they never have a, a full family? You ever notice that? They don't show two parents in the household in most Disney films. Like like Toy Story, I don't think they ever showed. Like it's weird. There There's certain like weird off-color things mm. that as I get older, I'm starting to notice. Be like, why? I, I have noticed those. But you talked about it earlier. There's a lot of subtleties. Well, there's just a lot of weird and subtleties. You know, just to kind of kind of wrap up this uh, understanding between us on... Uh, what I'm what I'm suggesting about the atrocities that occur all over the world mm. is that the way we as a country deal with them, and we deal with all of them to some degree or another, whether it's behind a behind a curtain or government to government or tariffs or pressures or all these kind of sanctions, all this kind of stuff. Some of it's for show, and some of it's for go. And I believe that almost all of it is show. Yeah. And the only time it's for go is when economics come into it. Or when there's an existential threat. Right. And, and of course, one of the ways to stop existential threats from China is to be so involved in their economy and so tied to the hip to them that you can't, you can't knock each other off because one's the biggest manufacturer for the other and one's the biggest buyer for the other. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so it, it, I guess. So it's I just... complicated. But I'm just saying that I don't think, while I agree with you, there should be lines to cross. I don't know what the lines are. I mean, we can argue that the the, the oppression of females in Afghanistan is a line. Yeah. We can argue that the which the, I'm not. By the way, I'm not saying that that's at all. In I don't. Any way nobody. Okay. Nobody should think you yeah, you have like anything but good goodwill for those people around the world. We we both do. Yeah. And we both. But, but you know, we'll both sit here with. With a you know a, a pair of shoes maybe made somewhere that we're not even aware of or a, a hat or we'll have we'll have some of the some of the things that we have that makes our lives easier than others is because of the way the world has become smaller. Indonesia economically, yeah. New Balance is Indonesia. <laughs> there you go. Thank God. Um. Yeah, I get it. I mean, I'm not saying. Uh, I, I look. I understand. And I'm not like I'm not saying that we can't do business with countries that are questionable. I just as it would a, be nice if we didn't do any business well, with an anybody e- that. But as an ethical, I'm just looking at it from an ethical point of view. It's mm-hmm. like it's like a, it's like knowing that, it's like giving like I'll go back to the Catholic Church. It's like being a Catholic, and knowing that the priest that you're giving money to to support the church is molesting children, mm-hmm. and knowing it's happening and still giving the money to the priest. What's so the this, point? This of goes all back it? to what you is, is, you centered your discussion around earlier about apathy, and I, I hate to say it, but I look at this this continued conversation along those lines. Sure, because if if we as individuals still buy from or watch or travel to or any of these things, whatever it is, if we support as individuals 
bad behaviors or things we think personally are bad behaviors, then they never change. That's the problem. We are unwilling or we're too apathetic about things that happen. Oh, it's over there. Well, it's over there yeah, somewhere. But I don't I also don't think that there's a viable alternative. If you think like look at look at the um like for example when it comes to the uh the video gaming chips, um the uh like the actual cards, the video cards. Most of them are manufactured in Taiwan. Mm-hmm. Most of those cards are manufactured there. That's why there's such a backup when it comes to and especially obviously the upbringing like mm-hmm. the like the, the crypto mining and all that stuff has blown it of, out of proportion. With that being said, because of that instance and because of what's happening with China and in, in the uh, the South China Sea and them flexing their powers over there because they now know due to General Milley for some reason that we're never going to retaliate on them. Um, because of all that, we have these issues now. Okay. So my, my so my, I understand your point. It's just, for me, you'd think that you wouldn't put all your eggs in one basket. You'd think that, okay, well, we're going to have most of our pharmaceuticals, some of them made in China, some of them made at home. And there's a lot of talk Some about of them that made now. in the UK. Yeah. My point is, why wouldn't you do that in the first place? It's like with it's like with the the four way stop sign thing that we've always discussed. Yeah, exactly. So like, why not just put the stoplight in you the first? You never place? get the stoplight until somebody dies. And 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 it's the same way with this kind of stuff. There's got to be a threat. There's got to be something that that deviates from the norm that alerts enough people and and hits their bottom line enough to to move away from it. But you're you're. But there's your no exa- alternative. How do you move away from it if there's no alternative? If our dependency you, is one area. Well, but your example is the problem, really. Okay. Use gaming chips, right? Sure. I, yes, yeah. I'm using an example. Now, if you used sure. um, some uh, staple that is needed by everyone in the United States, and you can only get it in China. So let, let's say it's, well, it's, I was going to say rice, but that sounds too, you know, uh, kind of um, nationalist. What was, but, what was the, 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 the ventilators? Well, uh, that's because of Ventilators. a crisis, though, right? <laughs> yeah, well, but it's a great example. What I'm talking about is a, a true need versus a want, right? So I'm if I don't want to, you know what? I don't watch any basketball, none. Uh, don't blame me. And, it, and it's not because of the China thing, though that is a, a portion of it. It's because they're a bunch of floppers. They're, the they're horrible. Yeah. They're, not all over everybody. I'm sure there's good people in there and bad people like everything else in the world. But I just watch it as a bunch of prima donnas running around this floor, playing a game, and acting like there's something better than that. That's that's the problem I have with with a lot of sport, by yeah. the way. But basketball in particular, a, occasional finals or whatever is interesting to me because there's a different dynamic about it. But the the point is, is I I can live without it. I don't need it. I don't. It's not like water or air or food or, or shelter. So screw it. Yeah. And, and if everybody that hated this Uyghur issue going on in China said, we refuse in the United States, everybody refuses, NBA, you're done. We're not watching you anymore. Turn off your televisions. You would see change immediately. This goes back to my point about economics. Mm-hmm. Because they're not going to just move it over there and say, oh, we're only going to play basketball in China anymore because they're their biggest. Well, Same I mean, with movies. Well, this, the, this movie, movie, the movie thing they will. I the can movie guarantee thing, you they they're will. They're filming different uh, endings in different situational stuff in movies yeah. specifically to accommodate mm-hmm. the social warrior nonsense in the United States and the fact that they don't mm. want to see that over in China. I, I wouldn't say it has anything to do with the social war stuff. I oh, would it, it absolutely it has everything does. to do with the Chinese Communist Party. That's my point is it's <laughs> like when it comes for yes. so so for Disney, for example, for Disney, for example, you look at 
they own a ton of different news agencies. They own a ton of different produ- production companies. They're actively playing into the fulfillment and appeasement of a uh, of a, an entity that thinks it's okay to disappear people if they disagree with you. But back to what I said, why do you think they do it? Money. Exactly. But that doesn't, They know that, their but, audience. They know what they want out of their audience. They're going to accommodate that but audience. But again... I think this is this is a splitting hair scenario because they're specifically tailoring to a small demographic. So I watched a review. This is a tangent, but it's a relative. Uh, rel- it makes sense, and we can end with this. Mm-hmm. The movie Free Guy with Ryan Reynolds. Mm-hmm. I watched a review on that, and the review basically came down to this: It's an enjoyable movie that stays out of politics. Oh. You can watch it because I would it's a watch movie that, that you want to watch. My point in all this is you've got entities like Disney. You've got entities like, um, you know, any fucking major clothing company like H&M or Nike or all these entities that decide to take a political view on something that is not the popular view. They know it's not the popular view. They know it's some elitist bullshit like with the Met Gala that people are going. Do you think AOC walked into that thing and knew that she wasn't going to get flack from millions of people? Do you think she? Do you think she walked in thinking, "Well, I'm probably not going to get flack for wearing yeah, this"? Yeah, right. No, she knew she was going to get flack for wearing this. So it's this elitist mentality of people who are doing things specifically to poke whatever bear that they think doesn't exist clearly, um, in order to do what? Cause disruption? I mean, look, if if Disney decided to move <laughs> their entire company over to China, they'd probably thrive, and then they go out of business because China would take over the company. They'd remove all the executives. They'd put political leaders in there. They'd remove every employee that's an American. They'd put their own people there. They would dis- they would destabilize the entire company, and it would become a conglomerate part of the Chinese Communist Party. Or they'll leave it here and have it infiltrated that way. Again, that's so Disney is actively aware of this. That's why I think they're evil. And that's my 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 uh, analysis yeah. well, on I Disney. Don't, I, and and I, I don't think it's a wrong analysis at all. And our, our world is, you know, crazy in a whole bunch of different ways. But I just, every time I think about this stuff, and, and you used the word maelstrom earlier, right? I, have, I, love, I have a big dictionary. I love that word because it brings a, you know what I think about when I think about that? An old picture of a giant sailboat. Hmm. You know, when I say that, when I say sailboat, I mean like a, like a galleon. The Spanish galleon on the seas and it's tumultuous and everything. It's dark and cloudy. I think of the movie Twist coming down, and there's this giant, oversized octopus or squid coming from the depths. A kraken. Take that ship, a kraken, the kraken to take that ship and pull it down. And you know what? If we let it happen, it'll happen to us. Hey everyone, this is The Wolf speaking, wrapping up yet another episode of The Wolf and Bull Podcast. We appreciate you spending your time with us, and we can't wait for you to hear our next episode. If you like what you heard, tell your friends and family, your neighbors, the local bartender, your doctor, your boss, and hell, you can even tell us. By leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, you can directly help build The Wolf and Bull cult. I mean, uh, The Wolf and Bull family. We can be found on most major podcasting platforms and social media. So what are you waiting for? Scoot on out of here and enjoy your day. But you should probably leave us a review first. But make sure to enjoy your day. But don't forget to leave us a review. Okay, bye.